We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, how we doing? Final cheeky mailbag. Yes, final off-season mailbag. Got a couple questions to jump into. As always, follow the buzz on all streaming platforms. But Jack, what do you want to start with? We'll start with Hassan, Nick. And hey, guys, I remember you guys mentioning the struggles of Akes and Day-Day in your last pod, given their lack of projected time slash fit, their growth and development could be stunted. Is it best to move on from these guys in favor of the vet that can help now? In brackets, uh, Hassan uses Mike Muscala. Thoughts, Nick? Yeah, I think so. You know, the right deal arises. There's no reason that you have to be you know, nervous to not let these guys go, given that you know, the potential of them isn't, you know, all-star or anything like that. Now, DeMarcus Cousins came out. I think he spoke to Chris Haynes in a Yahoo Sport article, Nick. It seems he said, you know, I've got a lot left in the tank. He's asking for a chance to show his growth. Do you think Sean Marks should take that chance? Because, you know, obviously it doesn't, unless there's a trade possibility, which there is, it doesn't seem like, and maybe Sean Marks goes against his word, but... At this point in time, it's more likely, as you alluded to, that Markeith Morris is the guy, which seems to be a, a guy of KDs if we're getting putting two and two together. Is Markeith, Mar- DeMarcus Cousins worth the shot, Nick, or do you see there not being much difference between him and Daron Sharp? Yeah, I think there's not an. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins hasn't proven enough where you just want to like toss away. Like DeMarcus, I shouldn't say hasn't proven enough in the NBA. He obviously has, but I'm saying over the course of like the last you know, two seasons after he's recovered from injury that he's really a game changing player. And I think you could see some of the issues within his game. We've discussed them a lot over the summer. You brought up, you know, his three point shooting and it not really being super good. You know, he obviously could stretch the floor a little bit, but not something where you're like, oh man, we need to get out there under Marcus Cousins. You know, we shot around pretty much 30%. So, you know, I'm not in a rush to sign him. And if another team wants to sign him, they can go ahead and do it. You know, I think the best upgrade is probably going to come via trade or a buyout guy. You know, it just doesn't seem like what's available right now is going to have a drastic impact for what the Nets needed to have an impact for. You know, especially if they they still need to find out if Clax is good enough to be that starting center, or if they need to find a closing center or somebody who can really allow Ben to excel. And 
DeMarcus could help that area, but I don't think he's the perfect fit for this team where I'm going to be like, you know, I need to find him a roster spot right now. There's a reason that it's October 5th and he still hasn't signed anywhere. Yeah, unfortunately, my dreams of Blake Griffin coming back, um, you know, few and far between. Turned into a nightmare, essentially, because he signed with the Celtics. (laughs) Thanks to the Celtics, but, you know, he's got some paternity issues to worry about with (laughs) certain things. Read into it as you would like in Nets Twitter. Broadway Joe Nick, what would a successful individual season for Ben Simmons look like to you regarding stats and accolades? He said, personally, I'd say either of the all-defensive teams, an all-star appearance, and top five in the league in in the league in assists would be great. Want to know what you and Nick think. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, I'm going to pull up my exact prediction for Ben, so I don't so I don't lie on the podcast. You know, that's not what we're here to do. I'll I'll jump in <laughs> while you you find it, Nick. In terms of accolades, you know, I think what Joe has 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 thought himself is pretty much all the money. If yep. he's not on the all one of the all defensive teams, I would be surprised. And All Star seems less likely given the increase in talent, especially in the East, where you got Donovan Mitchell and a, a heap of other guys. And the East just seems to be surpassing the West in terms of talent and overall just team greatness and goodness. Top five in the league and assists, I think, also should be a nice goal. I I think I procrastinate uh, when I sort of said I think you know. Five, uh, eight assists should be a a nice little number for him, which we'll probably have him in in top five in the league and. My ultimate goal would be fringe all-NBA player in that conversation, like Donovan Mitchell has been for, for quite a while. So I think he can, if he is a fringe all-NBA player, then that would be great. But I, what we did see from him, I think that all the things that Joe alluded to is is probably most likely to happen. And All-Star is obviously going to be about his popularity and the team success of the Nets as well. Yeah, the Nets are, you know, a top four seed. I think there's a good chance he's an all-star just because there is some pop to the Ben Simmons name. And I think, you know, a lot a lot of people obviously have hated on him, but I think a lot of people are excited to see him back on the court. Like you said, you know, you want him to be on an all-defensive team, you know, at, at least first or second. And then I think I would love for him to be in contention for defensive player of the year. He doesn't even have to finish top three, but just his name brought up in the conversation, you know, getting back to that level of a defensive player. For me, I would love for him to make an all-star game because this is the prime of his career. You know, this is where you want to see him kind of shine. And obviously he needs to have a bounce back season. Could not find the exact statistics, but if I go off of memory, I think I said he averaged about 17 points per game, eight assists and eight rebounds, something along those lines. And that seems about right. You know, this seems the the thing I'd probably be the most worried about is the scoring. I think it's pretty obvious he's going to be successful passing the ball and rebounding the ball. It's just how aggressive is he? Be, how aggressive is he attacking the rim? That's going to be the big question, and we'll we'll see. We're all hoping for a big season for Ben Simmons. Ben Ten Manolo asking which player could the Nets add during the season or by the trade deadline that would improve the roster? Do you believe the Nets will be riding under the radar since so much attention is away from them since being swept and the off-season drama? It kind of alludes to Corey's question as well, Nick. He sort of asked, is this the year of Claxton Sharp or do you see the Nets having to uh, find a veteran big man, whether through free agency or a trade? So we can sort of talk about those two, to, uh, those two, those three questions sorry, together. In terms of additions by the trade deadline, which player, Nick, is the the guy? You know, is it Mr. Miles Turner? Yeah, I mean, Miles Turner's on the list. Um, Wendell Carter Jr., you know, if they elect to roll with one of the younger guys, that's been a name I've heard on a couple podcasts. Mo Bamba, you know, it just seems like 
Orlando would likely move on from a center. And it seems like they're interested in making a play and push and could use, you know, a veteran guard like Seth Curry. You know, that could be someone that would really interest them or even one of the young guys on the team. I think PJ Washington, a guy that we talked about a lot in the summertime. You know, Charlotte looks like a team that could end up being really bad and looking to acquire some different parts. Dario Saric, you know, of the the Suns are looking to make some type of upgrade or, you know, it's part of a three-team trade or something like that. It seems like Ben really enjoyed playing with him. Uh, Kelly Olenek, Lori Marketing, Utah obviously is going to be selling. You know, Kelly is a guy that's very experienced. Lori is, you know, a little hit or miss, but would provide potentially a stretch big off the bench. You know, something different in terms of that talent department. I think there's some questions about his postseason play. And then, like, even a guy like Kyle Kuzma could end up back in the market if Washington isn't very good. You know, that's getting more towards the wingy side. But I think Kuzma has enough size where you feel pretty good about him in some small ball lineups with KD and Ben. So I think those would be the guys that instantly pop to mind. We could go through every single team, and I could probably give you a guy or two. But it's also just how the season breaks in terms of who's going to become available, who's buying, who's selling. Obviously, we had two prospects really pop off last night that could improve the tank race, which could make trades more likely. Yeah, I think to add to the names and to sort of answer Corey's question quickly, I think this will be the year of Claxton Sharp. I think mm-hmm. so there's a ways to go, as we've alluded to, both of you and I on plenty of pods. We're optimistic about Sharp, but also realistic at the same time. A few extra names to sort of throw out there, you know, Harrison Barnes and Isaiah yep. Hartenstein. You know, if the if the Knicks decide to put a, a, a lot of big men on their roster when it comes to sort of guys uh, around the sort of fringes, and again, Miles Turner seems to be just the the ideal fit if the Lakers don't make a move there, and it seems to me he isn't long fit for Indiana in a lot of ways. So I think those are the we'll discuss plenty of names sort of there. You know, I'm. I discussed Harrison Barnes, you know, with uh, Brendan Nunes uh, on his Kings podcast. So, and he brought up, you know, even Rashawn Holmes as well. And, you know, we've been big fans of Rashawn Holmes. He's probably, he would be an upgrade on both Claxton and Sharp. I think he is the best of those three players. And if you have Claxton and Rashawn Holmes, you know, you've got a, a really nice pick and roll combination. He's got a really nice sort of floater game, great athlete. So, Rashawn Holmes and, and Harrison Barnes, two names to sort of look at, you know, depending on what Sacramento chooses to do. And obviously the the assets that they value uh, that the Brooklyn Nets do have. But in terms of the Nets going under the radar, Nick. I just want to jump in there, Jack. I would say I'm um, less of a fan of Holmes than a lot of people on Nets Twitter, probably you included. I just have some question marks about him being like that perfect upgrade fit because of his lack of three-point shooting. And then just on the clacks and sharp stuff, I 100% agree. I actually have in my notes, year of clacks, but not sharp. So uh, I think, and obviously to answer Corey's question fully, it's just like a move will be made by the end of February, be it a trade be it a signing it's pretty clear they're going to add some level of big no not guaranteeing it's a five it could be a, a biggish four or something like that but i think that's a clear cut addition that this team will have yeah to hark back to the old days of delo the nets are still loading yeah you know, they're, they're they're incomplete so but they're not getting delo but he's an expiring contract who knows what could happen no let's not bring back d'angelo russell as much as we do love him in terms of the under the radar stuff, Nick, do you think that there is a chance that the Nets do go under the radar? But I guess it sort of relates to when we were discussing a couple of episodes ago about the Nets not having cachet or any popularity or any brand. I don't think the Nets are going to go under the radar. I, when you have a team with Kim and Rand, Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons, there is no way you go under the radar. You Just purely having those three on your team or one of those three on your team, they attract attention, whether it's social media. Anytime I mention Ben Simmons, my mentions are flooded. Anytime I mention Kyrie Irving or Kevin Durant, my mentions are flooded. The Brooklyn Nets, by virtue of having those three superstars, are going to be relevant and aren't going to be under the radar. They are firmly on the radar. Yeah, I think 
if the team doesn't do well, it's going to be talked about, you know, to the end of the day. If they're mediocre, it's going to be talked about. If they're great, people will be riding the hype. So it's just all different three stages is going to kind of get them. They're the they're the Nets, and like you said, with the stars they have, they're going to be talked about. If it was just one of the three, two of the three, but it's three of the three, you know, three of the most polarizing stars in the NBA. You know, these are guys that are loved and hated by lar- large amounts of people. So always going to create some attention because there's people that want to see them succeed and people want, that want to see them fail. Absolutely. You know, you just want to get the clicks, you want to get the views and, you know, however we get they the listens. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. If you're listening because you hate the Nets, so be it. We, we love the listens in any, any form or fashion. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. So Nick, he's got Nick DeVito has a question. He's asking who are some guys that you could potentially see cracking the rotation that aren't currently in right now. My two guys, Nick, a guy we saw the other day who I actually posted a little bit about on Twitter, Edmund Sumner, you know, baby Carlos Levert apparently, and also Yusuf Watanabe. Those are my two guys that I could see cracking the rotation. Do you have different answers? Same answer. Same answer. Sadly, uh, I think uh, with that question though, we should determine what we think the rotation is. You know what sure. I mean? So we can make it clear. Obviously, we're expecting the starters to be Kyrie, Ben Simmons, Kevin Durant, and Nick Claxton, and potentially either Joe Harris Joe or Royce O'Neal. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I'm not committed to either guy. I think Joe looks a little rusty. Royce looked really energized, and you could understand why the Nets would maybe want to lean that route. Um, and then we're looking in the bench. You know, obviously Seth Curry those, and Markeith Morris are probably your, your two sort of guys, two veteran guys. Yep, I think they're locked into the rotation. Patty? Um, Patty seems like he's going to be in the rotation at the very least early. Even you know, though we like, don't believe... I, I honestly think, Nick, sorry for interrupting, it's, yeah. I, I love the the rotation talk. I think Edmund Sumner should get minutes as much as, as Patty Mills, just purely because of... I think he has a better skill set, and I think that he's a better athlete, and I think that he provides more on both ends of the... Not both ends of the floor. I think Patty's three-point shooting. If he's just a three-point marksman... Fantastic. But if he's forced to do some ball handling, a little bit of defense, Edmund Sumner's better at both of those things. Yeah, I think Edmund fits next uh, next to Seth Curry a lot better. 
you know, it's just a better combination. It's like having Pat, uh, Patty and Seth on the floor together is providing you some defensive problems. And then TJ Warren, when he's healthy, will be in the rotation. Everybody else, I think, is fighting for those minutes. And like you said, Edmund Sumner is a guy that I think could definitely get into rotation also because he just provides a little bit of spark of energy. You know, there's just something to his game that the team could really use. And then also the fact that they're trying to push the pace, get active in, a, in, in transition. He seems like a guy that could be really successful doing that. And like we talked about with, you know, Cam, Kess, and Dayron, they got to prove more to probably get in the rotation and fight for those minutes. And obviously one preseason game is not going to dictate that, but we want to see what they do over the course of the next couple of preseason games. Yeah, I think that purely, I think Utah has overtaken Kessler Edwards and Markeith Morris has overtaken Dayron Sharp. But that I think out of those three sophomores, sorry, not rookies, I think Dayron probably has the best shot just yep. purely because he is you know, a, a point of need for, for the Nets. Right and now a point of difference this. from the other players that are in the rotation. You know what I mean? Yeah. He can provide something that they just can't because he's physically big. So we'll wait and see. You know, the the fact that we are talking about rotation, guys, shows the the depth that the Nets do have, which is always fun. Uh, Nick Cypher04 has asked, do you feel this team is built more around Ben than it is around KD or Kyrie? I like this question because if you're watching, especially that second quarter, which you told me to watch, and I'll tell everyone else to watch, I think that's the key quarter to watch in that uh, preseason matchup against the Sixers, not just because the Nets played great basketball, but the style and flow of basketball they were, they were playing seemed to be utilized the strengths of Ben Simmons in terms of transition, moving the ball, the pace, all those sort of things. Yeah, I think with KD, every team is built around him. You know what I mean? There's not You don't need to change and play a specific style. That's why he's one of the greatest players of all time is because he's you know, the most fittable superstar. Like He can fit into any system and be successful and raise the ceiling of that team. I think there's different pieces and parts of the team that complement each guy. You know, Ben, obviously, the amount of shooting on this team really complements him well. The amount of bigger wings and guards that the Nets have added, you know, obviously, you know, we're talking TJ Warren, Royce O'Neal, you know, Ben and KD are obviously there. Markeith Morris. Markeith Morris. It helps you kind of protect Kyrie a little bit more when you have some of those bigger pieces around and him. And KD so, as well in yeah. terms of not having to play him 48 minutes in a, yeah. I would say, yeah, Warren, Markeith, and Ben alleviate some of the pressure from Katie having to be extremely physical all the time or guarding quote up an up a position or something like that. So I think there's pieces that are built around each, each player, but I could see the system benefiting Ben the most. But again, it's also because Katie and Kyrie are elite, complete NBA offensive stars. You know what I mean? There's not really any offense that doesn't suit them. Well, you could really put them in any system and they're going to be successful where, there's bigger weaknesses to Ben Simmons game. So it makes more sense to kind of, you know, cater to his needs, at least from a system perspective and somewhat of a roster perspective. If the Nets have acquired a stretch five this summer, I would say I would definitely lean more to the Ben fit. No, definitely. And I think that you can make an argument for, for plenty of things, but there are people whose talents supersede a system and Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are those two sort of players, but it's also a detriment to themselves, which is, I think Steve Nash and, and a few other people, even Kyrie was sort of saying that like, you know, Kyrie about Ben Simmons the other day is like, we're going to make you better. You're going to yeah. make us better. It's going to work that way. And Steve Nash was talking about the system and wanting to try different things on offense and defense. And we saw that, you know, levels of experimentation and actually set offensive plays in the preseason matchup too. So I think that 
the style of play is going to be Ben centric yep. in terms of pace, moving the ball, getting some easy buckets. But you know, you're building a team around Kevin Durant because you've always built a team around your best player. You know, yep. I think Markeith Morris was low key, you know, a, a higher a, a signing that I think not just Joe Sy wanted, but I think Kevin Durant was a big fan of. I think there'll be other guys that could allude to that. So I think that two answers can be right at the same time. There's a bit of nuance here, but I definitely do see where Cypher is coming from. Yeah, I think there's clues for everything. And like I said, I think it's easier to surround, you know, Kyrie and Katie with players that will make them more successful. And then also shooting just benefits everybody. You know, no player is going to be like, I don't want spacing. Like, you know what I mean? So the fact is, like, you're providing that. It's just going to make you a more successful NBA team. And also, I think leaning into offense is just important for the squad. And I think Ben almost alleviates some of the weaknesses or detriments that Kyrie and KD have. You know, yeah. Kevin Durant doesn't have to increase his defensive you know, um, energy. He doesn't have to guard such. number one. He doesn't have to do that. Kyrie Irving's you know, lack of size on the perimeter is uh, allows Ben to just sort of lock in on, on perimeter guys. We saw some pretty big possessions from him. So I think Ben is also that sort of seamless fit and you know, offsets some of the weaknesses of very strong players in Kevin Rand and Kyrie Irving. So it's it's going to be fun to see. Hopefully these guys are healthy. That's that's all I want. I just want health because health and, and a bit of good vibes. But we'll, <laughs> we'll see if it eventuates. We had a, a final question from one of my tweets, Nick, and that's from BMG. He asked, in relation to the guy that I've been discussing on this podcast, what would you trade to acquire Turner? He provides two scenarios here, and I'll ask you which one you prefer. The way Harris played on both ends yesterday, would you package him a first and a first and a second rounder, or Curry and Claxton and a first rounder? Yeah, I think you would probably rather do Joe Harris in a first because you're only losing one rotation piece where if you trade Seth and Clax, you're using two rotation pieces for a player in Miles Turner who is somewhat injury prone. You know, he's a guy who's missed a lot of time over the last couple of seasons of his career. So and it's been a lot of weird injuries for him as well. So it's just kind of one of those bad luck things, almost like Anthony Davis type. So if you could keep Clax and now Clax is your backup center, I think that's ideal also because it allows you to have another style of defense in which you play. I think I've thought more about the Turner fit. It would be interesting in terms of the style of defense. Would they play drop, you know, and then force the guards to go over the screens, which, you know, Kyrie and Katie haven't been super willing to do all the time. You know, Kyrie sometimes to do it, but Katie, I think it's also an effort thing, but also like physically, it's just hard for him to get over screens because he's so tall and so big. So that's definitely something I would consider. And that's why keeping clacks in that trade could give you something in your back pocket in a specific matchup that you might have to lean into. Yeah, on the point that you made in terms of his injuries, his injury history, 42 games last year, 47 uh, in 2021, and 62 the year before that, did play 74 in the 2018-19 season, which is what Pacers fans at this point in time are, are certainly hoping for and, and maybe future, future Nets fans. So that is something certainly to worry about on a team that has so many guys coming off some form of injury, whether it's physical, mental, or anything else in between. But you take the chance on talent. And you know, I think... After the first quarter, everyone was, you know, shipping Joe Harris to Indiana. <laughs> but then, you know, he found his, his way a little bit in, in the second half. But I, I think the Nets will be patient and see how this team does roll out. There is a glaring need, and that glaring need is almost filled nearly perfectly by Miles Turner in terms of a lack of rim protection. Miles Turner is one of the best rim protectors in the league. Uh, a spacing big. 
Well, Miles Turner isn't one of the best in the league at that. He's not Carl Anthony Towns, but he takes a lot of them, and he's you know thirty four percent ish the last couple of sort of years, and then before that, it's actually pretty good. You know, with two point six, but I think that. He'd be a pretty bloody ideal fit, and just the prototype of what he is as a player. And whether that's a Wendell Carter Jr., as you alluded to, whether that's a, a Mo Bamba, you know, any of those sort of guys, you know, an Isaiah Hartenstein who is suddenly shooting threes now. It'll be interesting to see if the Nets do really target and hone in on that position, because even Clax, who is an okay rim protector, it isn't his area of proficiency as a defender. It's similar to the strengths that Ben Simmons does have. Yeah, I mean, Turner's one of the best, you know what I mean, in protecting the rim, so that obviously would be a huge upgrade. And like you said, I think it's really interesting to see if the Nets will lean into a real stretch five or if they're going for that small ball five route. You know, somebody who is doesn't necessarily have the size but still gives you the spacing and allows you to play with that level of versatility. So I'm intrigued to see how that kind of plays out, and obviously some of that's going to be dictated by the play of other guys on the court. You know, how does Markeith Morris look? How does Clax look? How does Sharp look? How do some of the wings you know, defend and some of the guards, can they keep their guys in front of them? Because if you're defending well on the perimeter, it makes it a lot easier to protect the rim because there's not as many attempts. But if you're getting cooked out there, that's when you really need that protection. Definitely. We'll see how it pans out. Obviously, I'll discuss that question a lot on a lot of different podcasts. So check out any previous episodes in the archives, guys, especially those previews. A couple more questions, Nick, from Bob Beer. He gave us some more rotation slash minutes thoughts. Uh, he had Kyrie at 33 minutes, Joe Harris uh, at 28 minutes, Katie at 33 minutes, Bennett at 33, Clax at 26, and then off the bench, Royce with 28, Seth with 24, TJ Warren with 21, and Morris with 14. He said, my rough estimate at possible rotation in minutes, thoughts or any changes you'd make? Yeah, I think they're honestly all around the predictions we made across the different pr- positional previews. Um, you know, maybe give or take a minute here or there, but around that, I think they're pretty spot on. What about you? Who, I just... I'm, 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 I feel similarly. I think Patty is probably going to get Patty and someone are going to get a version of those TJ Warren minutes, whether yeah. we like it or not. Um, I, I think that you know I've I've been a big fan of Edmund Sumner and and Yuta Watsonabe, but I think if Patty is playing Edmund Sumner, if it's Seth Patty and Edmund Sumner, you're really going to play three guards off the bench in a you know, nine man rotation. It's unlikely, or 10-man rotation even. So I think that it's more likely to maybe be Utah if his contract is guaranteed. But you know, I think the Nets will figure that sort of out. But And TJ, I think, TJ Warren, you know, around that 20-minute mark, I think it'll be lesser when he comes back. I think it'll be closer in the teens. And then it will work his his, his minutes back up to you know those early 20s, mid-20s, if he is you know really starting to ball out. Yeah, I mean, even when, you know, Seth is potentially out or TJ are potentially out, you could just see an uptick in minutes for other guys. You know, you could see Joe pick up more minutes. You could see Royce pick up more minutes, Ben pick up more minutes or something like that. So it'll be interesting to see how that all kind of plays out. Like you said, with TJ Warren, he still remains probably the biggest mystery on the team. You know, we've seen Ben now on the court. He looks healthy. He looks like he's going to find his rhythm. TJ is yet to get on the court and his floor and ceiling for the impact he can have is huge. You know, the difference in that is, pretty big like in terms of him being a great scorer off the bench that could be a six man of the year type or he could just deal with this injury for the rest of the year and not necessarily ever truly be healthy yep only time will tell uh, Nick Ron on question asked do you think the Nets will have a good year or implode well we wouldn't be here if we didn't think that they'd have a good year but I guess just on the imploding possibilities 
is it injuries? Is it infighting? What's more likely to sort of happen? You know, we heard Sean Marks come out and say today that, you know, they had a bottle of red wine, which every modern NBA player does, and they sort of hashed it all out. You know, hopefully that just the red wine stocks are high in Brooklyn and at Barclays. So, you know, everyone can be on the same page for uh, more days than not. But in terms of implosion possibilities, Nick, you know, I think that, I've said this so many times that I've become a broken record. It's going to be health and availability that will derail yep. the chances of of the Nets, and you know it's the reason why KD got a bit upset because he thought they would they should have been better in his absence. It's why James Harden wanted to leave, Kyrie Irving being unavailable, all of these sort of things. Ben, you know, not coming back for the playoffs, you know, him leaving the the group chat, which you know was obviously falsified. So I think implosion possibilities are high when you have a team that has the volatility of three superstars, the nature of Ben Simmons, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant. But I'm an optimist because I look to their talents more than anything. Yeah, and I think they all have a big chip on their shoulder. And there seems to be some connection with that. I think, like you said, the biggest reason for them to be unsuccessful would be health. And then that creating an internal problem and then question marks about the potential success of this team. So... That's what I see. You know, I like you said, I think we, we're going to be optimistic. Obviously, we're fans of this team, and they are very talented. And it seems like the Nets had enough bad luck in the last, you know, 16 months to last them the next five years. So hopefully they start to get some good luck. Yeah, they deserve it. We deserve it more than anything as fans. <laughs> Final question, Nick. Heading into the preseason matchups against the Miami Heat, Solo asks... What should the Nets starting lineup be versus Miami? Are you sticking with the starters, get the the chemistry right, or are you changing it up a little bit? Yeah, I think I'd probably put Royce in there just to give him a run with the starters. You want to see how it looks. You know, I think he is a good enough player, and there's enough question with Joe and his health and how long will it take him to get back to the level he played. And also having another defensive-minded player in the starting lineup alongside Ben and Nick Claxton could really help create more of a balance that lineup given how elite Kyrie and Katie are offensively. Can they carry that load? That's why we got to kind of see that lineup. Obviously Joe is more impactful offensively than Royce with his spacing and gravity, but Royce is simply just a better defender. And we also might not see Kyrie due to the, the birth yep. of a new child with him and his partner. So congratulations to him. I think Steve Nash said that he's not sure. And obviously family comes above everything else, especially when it comes to a preseason game. So maybe we see, Joe and Royce in that lineup, or and that could be you know, probably the the most likely replacement given maybe Seth. You know, if he's if he's fit and healthy, which I see is probably more unlikely. But congrats to Kyrie, um, and and all all blessings to him and his his new family, his new little bub down there. So we'll see how it pans out, Nick. But you know, as long as we continue to see promising signs of this net squad, you know, and promising signs from individual players. You know, I want to see more from from Utah. I want to see more from Sumner. And if we see you know some sparks from Cam, so we get back on the bandwagon, or Daron Sharp, you know, really bullying himself and, and showing some defensive prowess, then maybe we change some of our thoughts that we've had yeah. about them or Kessler Edwards uh, as well. So we shall see how it does pan out, Nick, and we'll be recapping that game uh, on the podcast. Yeah, I mean, I think obviously there are some reactions after one preseason game and we'll react more after the next couple. And then by the time the opening night is here, we'll probably have more solidified opinions, but it will continue to change throughout the year because a lot of these guys will get better. A lot of guys are coming back from injury. And I think also 
they're still figuring out the style that you know suits them best. Obviously, there's been a lot of clips posted on Nets Twitter showcasing some of the differences in this year's offense, which is really exciting. And you know, shout out Igor for you know adding some creativity and helping Steve Nash you know unlock his players a little bit better. But like you said, Jack, we'll jump into a recap tomorrow. Big thanks everybody for listening. Check the buzz on all stream platforms.